0: So you don't, don't shun the, the, devil, the devil, devil with your rock and roll load no, Knows that country music's gonna save it's gonna your soul The, the groove in that rhythm and blues that It's gonna get you son in the air
3: Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. Southern Teague is out of town right now, so we won't be <laughs> bantering with that goofball. Uh he's down in South Carolina, having some fun down there. And uh I'm here actually today with someone I haven't had a chance to catch up with in a while. Um but I'm really glad that we're we're doing this today. Welcome to the show, lazy Hawkins. Thank you. Great to see you. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing really good. How are you?
3: Awesome. Just yeah. just peachy.
4: It's nice to see you too. Um I've actually saved this question until we were on the air. We were chatting a little bit beforehand, but now now that I've got you.
2: Um, oh shit. Man. Now that I've got you
4: <laughs> pegged. I wanted to know if I'm the only person who's ever called you the cocktail cowboy and if that has caught on yet.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh I I think it's caught on a little bit. Okay. Well, yeah.
4: I mean I'm happy to scream it from the rooftops more often, but <laughs> but okay. All That's right. very flattering.
3: Okay. <laughs> I can't wear a, my cowboy hat right now, though, because I got these headphones on. Sure. So, but after the show.
4: You could get a cowboy hat though that like, it just, like you, fits over? Yeah, almost like Mickey Mouse ear cutouts and you could sort of put it underneath.
3: <laughs> Dave you hear that? We're gonna get on that.
4: Yeah. It's probably on Amazon. Somebody's gonna sponsor that. <laughs> Somebody's gonna have to sponsor that.
3: Cool. <laughs> So yeah, let's talk about uh, what's going on. I mean, you. Uh, how long have you been in New York now? You're originally from Portland, Oregon.
4: Yeah, I've, I'm coming off of my four year anniversary. I think it'll be like September 21st. Wow, it'll be my four year anniversary. And uh, my applies. yeah, it really Jesus. does. My stepmom uh, went to college in New York and lived in New York for a number of years, and she. I don't know if this is true for every city, but she always said like it takes two years to get to get used to New York because like the first year you're just like finding your, you know, asshole from your elbow. I mean, you're just trying yeah. to operate and figure out how to get from one place to another. And the second year, you really start to, to put down roots. And mm-hmm. that couldn't have been more true for me. And I also think one of the biggest um, helps that I had in terms of becoming comfortable in New York City was getting a bicycle. And, you know, you get on the subway and you get off somewhere you totally... Of you, yeah. Yeah. And my only real... Um, interpretation of that area was whoever I saw getting on or off the stop and that's just a you know huge disservice so getting a bicycle was awesome and I got to see so much more and ironically I had to walk around the city the other day I think it was due to weather or something or maybe it was what I was carrying I couldn't take my bike and I had always said from taking the subway to biking, like, man, I just see so much. I can get cover so much ground and I see so many more things and I, I know where everything is now. And then when I was walking, I was like, wow, I've been biking past this place for years wow. and I just read <laughs> the sign and it's amazing, you know? Yeah. So it just really kind of uh, took it to another level when I put my feet on the ground. But, um, but yeah, four years.
3: Yeah. I, I had a similar situation in New York where I, I know, I've always had like kind of like bad. Social anxiety, which is funny because I'm always doing a radio show and I work in bars, but uh,
4: and also you're in New York City, which with like the MTA, the the massively failing MTA, like
3: totally. It's just a social
4: anxiety waiting to happen.
3: I would, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, It it probably hasn't gotten any better since I moved here, but uh, but I've I've been here over a decade, so I don't know. It hasn't killed me yet, but um, I would like my first uh, like investment for. I think it was like maybe like a weekend I I, I purchased some really expensive headphones and I was like alright cool I'm gonna need these cause I'm in New York and I'm gonna you know listen to music and podcasts and stuff whenever I'm walking around town and then I realized like I was talking with my brother one day about it and he's like why why are you ignoring the city it's like you're missing out on a lot it's yeah. like just like I'm like well you know like the crazy people on the train or like <laughs> on the street I'm like I I can't deal with them yet I'm not like accustomed to New York City yet but uh then after a while, I was like, "All right, no, I need to. I need to listen to yeah. to the city to
4: tune in." I mean, yeah. I also think it's kind of dangerous when you tune everything out. Yeah. I mean, I like to know. I like to keep my eye on the crazies. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I have this device for when I'm riding my bike. It's basically like a speaker that oh, will yeah, yeah, that I'll clip onto my collar, yeah. so I can hear music and skip songs, and it'll play directions for me too, and I don't have to look at my phone, and I can still hear all the sur- the surrounding traffic, right. which is great. That's um, cool. Speaking of your brother, actually, I think right when I had moved here, uh, um, I, it, it was at Prime Meats. I'm 90% sure it was at Prime Meats. And I had just moved to the city. I was sitting at the bar, I mean, like having a drink or having some food or something. And I looked to my left, and it was you or him. I have no idea. <laughs> and I kind of looked to my right, and it was you or him. I had no idea. And I, and there was a mirror in front. That's why I think it might have been Prime Meats. This is a big mirror yeah, back there, yeah. right? And I was just, like, looking at both. I mean, I was kind of confused. Like, is this an optical illusion? Like, there was just a little bit too much going on. And I did it one more time. And I think it was you. You're like, yeah, we're like the the male version of the mixed sisters.
2: I think it was you. And I was like,
4: cool, cool. I had never met you guys before or anything. And I think that was the only thing you said to me. But uh, I was like, wow,
3: so many, so many twins. That's funny, man. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, a lot, lot of twins. Um, wait, okay, so let's talk about that. Like, you... So you were working at, when you first moved here, you, you moved here one day, like the second day you interviewed at both the Nomad and Clover Club, and then by the third day you were hired at both of them, yeah. right? Yeah,
4: I... <laughs> That's insane, like... It's, I mean, it's insane, and getting those jobs both at the same time, and learning both of their cocktail programs, which are so vastly different, and also very thorough my brain was melting. I mean, it, getting those jobs was 95% luck and 5% timing, p- period. I I was coming from Portland, Oregon, where I really felt like I was a big fish in a small pond. And then I moved to to New York and realized, oh my God, I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> and like, put your head down and shut your mouth and just learn, which learning is great. Putting my head down is fine, but shutting my mouth has always been really hard <laughs> for me to do. So, um, yeah, I I really... New York has always been very, very good to me. And people talk about sort of like these horror stories of New York and how it's going to be such a hard city and shoot you up and spit you out. And I've never had that experience. It's always been very good to me. And, I, and I've always said I'll stay as long as it keeps being so good to me. And it is. its I've, I found the love of my life here. I have an amazing job. I, I learned more than I ever thought I could behind the bar. I have great friends and, um, and a wonderful place to live but but the first 3 months or so I was here I was like sleeping on top of my clothes and underneath my clothes at the same time because I I didn't have time to find a, a bed and I also was I don't I'm not a naive person I considered myself to be very street smart but I didn't realize how how used to my life I was in in Portland sure. and I kind of think I thought oh I'll just move to new york and i'll live the same life and you just you just don't and so one um, of a kind yeah it took me it took me a while to figure out how to operate in new york like where to get my groceries and where to get my mattress and how
3: to laundry how how to to do laundry all these
4: things right that that were so easy for me to handle when i was in portland because uh because you had a
3: garden in your backyard and you had a washer and dryer (laughs) in your house exactly yeah
4: and every place does yeah um and everything there is so aesthetically set for you, I mean, I think you know I had a huge huge uh culture shock when I moved to New York. I did not know how white Portland was. I really didn't and i <laughs> yeah, and I and I grew up around people of color and still didn't know and It wasn't until I moved into Crown Heights, which is uh, you know that the part I live in is just right on the border Crown Heights and bedsty and and really had to be uncomfortable with my whiteness and that was really good for me and I highly recommend (laughs) that every white person at some point in their life is in a position where they are the minority because it really made me recognize how much privilege I had had and also along with that came a lot of white guilt which you know I got to put aside and and figure out um how to function in a a very diverse society and that was really good for me and I don't think I ever knew that I was missing that. I never knew I was lacking that. Uh, So, Yeah.
3: yeah. Just things
4: you didn't think you were going to sign up for and all of a sudden.
3: I mean, like we were saying actually before the show, it's like, we, like this city takes a lot of, it takes a lot of hard work and it takes like some thick skin and there's like a lot of things that you aren't prepared for you never even know that, it's gonna come at you like in the city, and like you learn just you learn a lot about yourself—the yeah. way you work, the way you like love. You know, like, yeah. It's uh, it's it's a shocker. Yeah. But it's so good. It is right, and like coming here, like I would say, New York City is not a vacation town. You come here, and you, like you hustle your ass <laughs> off, and like you just like yeah. It's like I don't understand why people come here for yeah. vacation. Honestly, yeah. it's like like the idea of tourism in New York. I get it. Like look at some stuff, but like.
4: Get out. Uh, get out get while out you of can. yeah out. it's like the polished version of vegas like don't <laughs> stay too long
3: um
4: yeah when i met my girlfriend i think it was on our first date uh at the time she had been in new york for like i think like 15 years and i was just floored i was like you monster what are you doing here you you just must love torture like why you're just you're not supposed to be here this long you're supposed to come in get your nut get out right like to come in, somehow make yourself into a diamond and then get out before it's too late. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, now she's going on I don't know, like seventeen or eighteen years, so and I'm here, so.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of, like we were talking about that before. So you have recently um become brand ambassador for Monkey forty seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which is a really fucking great product, man. I, I actually I was prepping myself for the show last night by drinking it
4: oh yeah well cool I, I actually brought you um something really cool so the monkey 47 is distributed in 500 milliliter bottles in asia and europe um and south america but in the u.s it's in 375 milliliter bottles for now for now okay for now That's, for now
3: like, you could feel that question bubbling up, yeah right?
4: it's just for <laughs> now um But uh, the only Monkey 47 expression that we have in the States is the classic Monkey 47. But they make a distiller's cut every year that is the same 47 herbs and botanicals. And plus, they pitch one other ingredient in. Last year, in fact, they used honey from the apiary that they have at the distillery. And, I mean, the gin is beautiful. The distillery is stunning. And the apiary is someone who's also a beekeeper. Like, I mean, just blew my mind. German design... I don't think we give it near enough credit. I think Ikea kind of came in and stole the show a little bit. But <laughs> so many beautiful things are designed from Germans. And, and the, the distillery is in the middle of the Black Forest in Germany. And it is just uh, so satisfying to look at and to be a part of and to stand there. And you know everything is in its place. And there's a place for everything. It's really wonderful. But so, um, so they make these different um, distillers' cuts every year. And I brought you, for us to taste, the slow gin that they make. Cool. This is the coolest slow gin I've ever had. It's still the same 47 different herbs and botanicals, and then they pitch in a lot more slow berries. There are already slow berries in the gin already, but they add some more. And In the,
3: the, the In the original, original recipe, try.
4: yeah, there's there are slow berries in okay. there. Um, and so the first time I tried this was actually at a bar in San Francisco called Whitechapel, which is a gin bar. Oh, yeah. And uh, the the bartender, like it was in like a reserve cabinet and he let me taste a really small sample. I mean, I think they were charging like $50 an ounce. I mean, something pretty high. He let me try a little sample and it tasted like kind of bitter and, and rich. And I felt like it would be a really cool substitute for Campari and a Negroni at some point. And, um, and then I didn't taste it again until the last time I was at the distillery in May and I tried it again and I was like, oh my God, it's totally different. It's like acidic and bright and like cranberry notes. And you think of uh, slojins as being sort of these like maraschino syrup, dense, heavy, yeah. like sugary, I don't know what to do with them kind of things. But this is bright and fresh and it's wonderful. And that's when I realized it bitters over time. It really oxidates and and, and bitters over time. So uh, I brought some of that for us to try. And then we're also drinking a Negroni with Monkey 47. Um, but this one is made with dry dry gin instead of um, I'm sorry, dry vermouth instead of sweet vermouth. So it's like a really lean um, Negroni. Uh, but it also has these sort of like Castletrano butter notes to it as mm. well as opposed to some of the deeper um, maybe let's say like lighter leather notes that you might get in a sweet vermouth and so Monkey 47 is distilled from molasses and sugar beets and it's made in 100 liter uh, batches in a 100 liter still so it carries a lot of weight, has a lot of copper contact, it can be really dense, I really think it's sometimes like a beautiful fusion of gin and an vie. and cool. so for me with Campari and sweet vermouth sometimes it can just be a little too dense or too rich so the dry vermouth really tends to thin it out and i feel like it's ready to drink instantly whereas sometimes if i'm making a Negroni, obviously it's going to be hot and rich in the beginning and sort of like mellows out in the middle like an old-fashioned and then yeah. nice and watered down at the finish but this is like a neon red or like jolly rancher pink colored <laughs> cocktail that's like ready to go as soon as you pour it over ice and i have started to uh move away from my purest ways and I just batch it and in, in my apartment and I leave it out and I like put it in bottles. So I do an ounce and a half of monkey 47, one Campari and one driver Vermouth. I think any Negroni needs to be made with an ounce and a half of gin. It's kind of yeah. like a disservice not to. Um, but I, yeah, I just batch it and I'll put it back into the bottles and I won't even refrigerate it. I won't dilute it, but I just think that uh, obviously, dry vermouth and any vermouth should be refrigerated. But I just, uh, I, don't know, I think I mean, it gets you a just, little funky. You just and overly
3: get, fortified, it, so it's yeah, like it's gonna be fine. Yeah,
4: and then it's perfect because friends will show up. I grab a bottle, yeah. grab some twists, and just pour it over ice, and it's ready to go. I don't have to, co- I don't have to make cocktails because they're already made. And I yeah. think sometimes when you're in the beverage industry, while I love making drinks, I also and making drinks at home is my favorite way because the. <laughs> The drinks are always great, right? Like no one ever sends them back, nobody They're ever perfect. complains. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I also like to hang out with my friends too, or we grab a bottle and we go to the beach, or we, you know, I can yeah. send it to people's houses or something. So it's really nice, easy way to just make good make good drinks.
3: Speaking of not making cocktails,
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> so you, um, you recently, after taking this job, you uh, actually, I just want to say very quickly, this Negroni is delicious, especially on, on like an eighty five degree day like in Brooklyn. It? Yeah. It's perfect.
4: Yeah, it's really, it's it's pretty lean. I, uh, I'm i a big fan.
3: Yeah, me too. Oh, we got to try too. that
4: slow gin oh. too. I'll, I'll crack the yeah, bottle while you're talking. It. Um,
3: no, I was just going to say that um, you recently got out of, out from behind the bar mm-hmm. to take this job. Yeah. And uh, I got out. You got out. <laughs> Escape. No. <laughs> um, are you, how do you feel about that? I mean, like, I mean, I know it's something that, uh, Like we were talking about before the show, it's like moving to New York City. It's like you kind of like never know where it's going to lead you. And and it is a place where you get your nut and move on to something else. Mm -hmm. Um, Was being – was leaving the bar and – because, I mean, like let's not forget to mention that you won Speed Rack. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You won Speed Rack twice.
4: Oh well, I mean, if if you if you want to talk about the times, I will be happy to tell you that I actually won it four times.
3: Wait, four times? Great. Yeah. Gotcha. Well,
4: I think it was four times. Yeah, uh, yeah, more or less. Um.
2: <laughs> <Whoa>.
3: <laughs>
4: uh, well, I started competing in speed rack when it, during its first year when I was still in Portland, and I and I got uh, second place that year in Portland. But then uh, it was amazing. I mean, I. I have, I have speed rack to thank for so many things. It really just opened me up to this idea that like, Oh my God, I could do that. I mean, I remember seeing like the very first speed rack promo video that had ever come out. And my friend was like, you got to do that if that ever comes to Portland. And I was like, yeah. And then it did. And we were like, Oh shit. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, you know, training with, with water in the bottles. Yeah. Like a Marriott bar, you know? I mean, (laughs) uh, but I, I, I didn't know that, that, um, that those kinds of opportunities existed for women behind the bar. I didn't know that women could be so fucking great. I just, I think I just, I didn't know it existed. I didn't know that that caliber was out there. Um, uh, and it's, it's embarrassing to say that, but I'm also proud to say that like watching other women in this industry have made me want to become a better human being full stop. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so I took second place in Portland the first year, and then the next year I won in Seattle um, as for like the West Coast area, and then moved to New York the following year. And every year I competed in the finals, beca- I'm sorry, in the nationals, because I had either won or got uh, like enough votes from people, which is just mm-hmm. like, it's just like begging for friends. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible, but... Um, but yeah, I won um, New York twice, two years in a row, which was really cool. Yeah. Which was really cool, and then, um, and so weird, but so cool. And then I won the nationals. I got second place one year, and then I think the next year, I think I won. I can't remember. But um,
3: so like after, but all- it happened. I remember
4: yeah. it happened. It was like a really hard <laughs> to reach itch in the middle of my back, and I was so satisfied to finally get it done because I felt like it. I that was my goal. Was like I just wanted to win it. I just wanted to do it, and. I'm so thankful that I didn't win my first year because I, my head would have just be in the clouds with my ego. I, I,
3: at that point you kind of stop learning, right? You think like, like once you hit a certain level, then you're like, then you kind of like, all right. Yeah. Like your ego kind of takes over. Then you're like, you're kind yeah. of accepting of like new knowledge of like,
4: yeah. I mean, well, I think, in the first year that I did it, I think I would have just thought I'm such a hot shot. Yeah, like oh, I don't need to learn anything else. Or I don't need to do anything yeah. else because I would have felt so good about my own position. But the reality is, is that wasn't that wasn't true. And I, um, you know, I think that speed rack is not real bartending at all. It's not. I mean, you're on like a catering. It's but it's, it's, yeah, but it also. Uh,
3: also oh, you, you have to be so Also oh, you didn't pour me any sojad well,
4: <laughs> my 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 arms are nowhere near as long as yours here take mine um it, it has like a noyo taste to it it's, it's it's more like an almond taste and that's that's really what a slogan should be like it's really getting at like like the core of a of like an apricot seed or apricot pit hmm.
3: I know what you're saying, though, about the competition. Oh, shit, this is really good. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah, I was not expecting cool. that.
4: No, right? like, shit. wait, this is a slogan. Like, is this what a slow gin fizz could taste like? Yeah. I'd love to find out.
3: We'll find out later, because you're coming to right. guest bartend yeah. at Grand Army yeah. after this. Mm-hmm. Five to seven, yeah. So that would be cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, the, the bartending competition mm-hmm. thing, it's like, you know, it's weird to me, because, like, when I... Yes, it is it is very like very cool, but like it's not it's not the full thing. No. And like like if I like I've I've watched you in speed rag like a couple times. And uh it's been really awesome because I know you personally and like I I come to see you at Clover Club and I've seen you at the Nomad and like that's I'm like
0: that's my friend. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> um but yeah, you're right. I mean like co- competition bartending doesn't make you like the like the it's not going to help you necessarily. It's it's cool. And, and it's awesome I don't to think win, it should be it, the
4: measurement for for one's yeah. uh, abilities or success. Yeah, but people do like to poo poo competition bartending. And every single time I've competed in a competition, whether it's the Pama competition, which yeah. by the way they have really sweet prizes, so I'm not afraid to win five thousand dollars. Okay, <laughs> okay. Whether yeah. it's the Pama competition or Speed Rack or Diageo World Class or whatever you know, you learn something every single time. And I, and, and while I think some bar owners and maybe even bartenders feel like it takes away from the work and the integrity of being behind the bar and the guest and the, the cocktail that you're going to make the guest, um, it made me a better bartender because I got had cool, cool things to talk about with the guests. I had really uh, got my mind working. I work really well with making new drinks based on a story. So if you just tell me, like, uh, make me something gin and refreshing, like, yeah, okay, I'll make that for you. But if you tell me, um, uh, make me the cocktail that you would want if you um, had just gotten done swimming in the ocean and uh, you're about to go, like, play croquet. You yeah. got it, man. I can't wait to make that drink. Yeah. Right, uh, my friend Tyler Caffel and I actually play this game. You maybe we can play it on air a little bit. We'll see. I don't, don't want to sure. take over your show, but it's really fun. And so it would go something like this. Um, I would say to you, um, oh, what what is in the um, what is in the the speakeasy radio cocktail? That's um, man. God, what is that? It's uh, I think there's uh, some. Overproof bourbon in there, and like uh, there's there's like a little bit of chenar, uh, and it's got um that's
3: this other teak side, right? <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, it's definitely stirred though. I feel like it's stirred because you know, like speakeasy wouldn't really be shaking or juices or citrus and yeah. sugar. It's are. definitely stirred. Yeah, I think it's I think it's got like uh, overproof southern bourbon. Know. southern doesn't know how to shake some it it chenar <laughs> uh, with his shoulder. I mean, yeah. thank God he, he broke it a little guess. I think there's like a there's a flamed orange twist on it. uh, A a little bit of a what what what's what's in there? I'm missing something. What's in that drink? The Speakeasy Radio cocktail. I think it's
3: probably it's definitely stirred. It's in a rocks glass. Okay. Sazerac style. So yeah. Oh
4: yeah. So uh, is there there like a Peychaud's rinse in there instead of an absinthe rinse?
3: There's there's probably Peychauds. yeah. out there because I love Pinot de Chirant. Oh no, there's gonna be Benedictine. Oh, that's be it. That's, that's what. That's what. That's
4: what was in it. Yeah, yeah. The Speakeasy Radio cocktail. It's uh, overproof bourbon, chenar, Benedictine with a Peychaud's rinse and a flamed orange twist, uh, Sazerac style. I love that drink.
3: I love you. Let's take a quick break, <laughs> and when we get back, we'll continue talking with Lacey Hawkins.
0: It's just one out of three. I wish that baby it was me.
2: There were three
3: babies born. And we're back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And today in the studio, we have Lacey Hawkins. And so, I'm so fucking excited to have you here. It's this pretty cool. Great. I'm having a great time. I'm
4: having a good time, too. Cool.
3: Um, so, uh, yeah, we were just talking. We, man, we've... We we should, like, you know what? Souther's <laughs> out. Souther's out. You're my new co-host. All right, I'll do it. We just had too much to talk about. <laughs> uh, so there could Southard. be our
4: first guest. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Dave's having a great time in the yeah. studio today. Um, so, uh, yeah, we were talking about, uh, before the show, or before the, the break, we... Uh, talked a little bit about speed rack and it's fucking amazing um you, and you obviously are a brand master for monkey 47 which we're enjoying right now we're having a couple of drinks we're having a gurney and the slow gin which is fucking incredible pretty
4: cool stuff right wow yeah and so if i so were good. to now that i've cracked this bottle and is this bottle was made in uh 2015 bottle number five from 2015 um it shows on the back i'm sorry it was made in May of 2015, bottle number 3,713. Uh, I think they're only making like maybe 4,000 k- bottles of this a year. Wow. May- maybe. It's a pretty low production. Same thing with the, uh, the distiller's cuts. I think it's maybe like 1,000 bottles. Maybe. Yeah. But, um, but if, now that I've cracked this bottle, I'll put it back on my shelf. I'll taste it probably, I don't know, once a month over the next year. And it's just going to get a little bit bitter, which is really cool. cool Because when I first tried it, I was like, man, what a wild experience. It's not sugary like you'd expect, like like I thought slow gins really were, you know?
3: It's it's real damn good. Yeah.
4: I get like um, tons of almond notes, lots of like uh, rosemary. There's this like dusty sage note to it. Um, And because it's still with all of the 47 different herbs and botanicals that are in monkey 47 and then some extra slow berries. I mean, I, I still get lots of, uh, like Indian spice notes and beautiful bright citrus yeah. and it's acidic. And these are like red berry notes, lots of like lingonberry, cranberry type notes.
3: It kind of reminds me of like, in a way it kind of reminds me of like a bottled pink gin as well. It's oh. got, cause it's got like this extra spice notes yeah, and it's like, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Um,
4: you know yeah. what this would be, I wonder what a, pink gin would taste like and with instead of bitters using a slow gin
3: yeah no, we'll so, try it later so yeah we will with <laughs> um, the speakeasy radio cocktail yeah <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of work to do yeah. um but we're used to it right <laughs> yeah. um so i just thought of something so i my first experience with monkey 47 was about i want to say it was like five or six years ago when did it did come into the states It
4: came into the States, like, almost three years ago, exactly. Okay. Yeah.
3: So it was about Mm -hmm. five or six years ago, then. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was was when I was working at Prime and a couple of my regular customers who lived in the neighborhood, they brought me a bottle when they were traveling. That would make
4: perfect sense. I mean, Prime is Alpine AF, and Monkey 47 is made, you know, like, pretty close to France, so. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So they, yeah, they brought me a bottle of Monkey 47, I was like, "I, I think I'd, like, seen something about it like on I don't know social media or mm-hmm. something but I did, had no idea what the fuck it was um, and they were like and I was like why it's like, first of all assholes why did you bring me a half bottle <laughs> if you like it so much but I guess you just made it in half bottles back then yeah uh, but <laughs>
4: where's the rest of it
3: yeah where's the rest of it man <laughs> um, but I remember tasting it and really really liking it and I the way that the way they told me, so like I have a couple of cabinets at grand army. i call them the boss's cabinet. Mm-hmm. Is that's where I put all my stuff, mm-hmm. all my special stuff. Um, and you know, it, a lot of this stuff is like either vintage or like stuff you can't get in the United States or just rare releases that are gone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got that bottle of monkey 47 in my cabinet, uh, still. And I've only like made a couple of cocktails with it. Mm-hmm. I've, tasted people on it mm-hmm. throughout the years but then i still have i still have that bottle yeah so
4: you should look at the the batch number on the back of your bottle you should you should we, see well the numbers we will are. yeah
3: we will just sign i'll be there also would you sign my bottle
4: oh my god yes of course i will
3: <laughs> awesome
4: <laughs> yeah that's the
3: real reason why i asked you here today oh
4: my gosh <laughs> wow oh.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> i don't i don't know if that's gonna uh, help out with the value. I might take it down or not. No, but, come on. whatever. But yeah, man, that's super cool. Actually, I have a couple bottles signed by the founder as well. So cool. I love that stuff. Me I too. love that stuff. You, it, you know, someone signs the back of your bottle. It's just a story. You look at it later and you're like, Oh, remember that time we were in the studio with Lacey interviewing her and I asked her to sign a bottle and she did. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's cool. That's cool. So yeah, let's talk, let's talk more. i sorry that I got a little gushy there for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, so, Okay. You've been you've been rocking this brand for uh less Since six, February 1st. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah, yeah. So or February 2nd. I mean, I think February 1st was my last day at Clover Club. And um you know, making a transition into uh the more corporate side of the industry, which is what I'll call it, being on the working with a brand um uh, and especially being full-time. Uh, I don't think that's a decision that anyone should ever make lightly or or uh, it's something that takes I think a lot of thought and time and care because you my biggest fear in terms of working with a brand would be that I would lose my own clout my own momentum and my own brand by working with another brand um and if you find the right brand to work with that doesn't happen you both elevate yourselves you you, your brand elevates and the brand of whatever product you work on elevates yeah and and um uh if it's something that you really love it's an easy job to do I mean I, I really love this gin I, I think gin is timeless and classic and I can I feel feel like any cocktail can be made with gin um, and and this this brand in particular I think is a different beast and really fun to work with and kind of crazy and and I really enjoy it and I I, I think that one of the hardest parts about taking this position was leaving my family at Clover Club because like I, I would I would probably work there until I was skin and bones. Like, you know, it's just uh the best place to be. Yeah. Um uh but when you're working with a brand, I think what's really important is you're gonna be drinking it. You're gonna be drinking it a lot. Yeah. And um if it's something that you want to drink in the privacy of your own home with no one watching, then it's a good product for you. Sure. Right? Like if you if you're at home and you're like, ah, I would, I would love a monkey for a seven and tonic right now, or I'm going to make myself a monkey for a seven martini. And I do that at home. And that's a really great sign that makes me feel yeah, like, absolutely. like I really like this product and I'm really happy to be working with it. And I'm really happy yeah. to drink it. And I'm even more happy that I have a bunch of it in my house because this shit's expensive.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <That's>, <laughs> it's true though. Um, it's a difference uh, between it's you owning the brand rather than the brand owning you. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's, that's, you being in a position of like understanding that you made the right decision mm-hmm. and just based on like, mm-hmm. you know, like it's funny. Cause I, and I want to, I want to tell this to a lot of our like kind of like newer bartender listeners, you know, people who are, that think that like brand ambassador work is just fun and games and you have an expense account and you get to party all the time. It's like, yeah, you, you have to be out and about and doing all stuff and championing your brand. Um, but it's it's a profession and it's a professional it was a professional move for you mm-hmm. to move into this side of the industry mm-hmm from being behind the bar. Yeah. Correct.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really you wise. Take, you
3: can't take it lightly, right?
4: No, no. I think that's a really wise for you to sort of touch on, um, maybe some folks who might be newer into the industry. I think that, that brand ambassador work tends to be, uh, glorified a little bit. And people are like, ah, oh, they've got the, they've, they just get to party all the time. And they, they have that, that, that credit card. Everyone loves the, <laughs> looking yeah. at that credit card. But like what you don't see is that there's a budget and you don't get to just spend money willy-nilly. Like, you only spend certain money. And I only spend certain money at certain places. And um, there's uh, every month, there's always some sort of, like, panicked moment where I can't find a receipt or that I forgot to take a picture of it. And that's, that's um, you are, and one of the biggest things I, I realized when I took this position was that I didn't fully understand that when I was not behind the bar, I wasn't working. I, right. Once I took this job, I realized, oh, my God, I'm working all the time. Like, my inbox, my email, if if I, get, if I receive an email and it's at 1230 at night, I feel like the other person on the other end of that email is waiting for me to respond. Right. Whereas at, with the bar, it's like, more or less, if I wasn't at the bar, then I wasn't working, right? Sure. Um, and so that was something was that I would just felt like I was working all the time. Um, but I think that it can be so... Um, it can feel so good when a brand approaches you to see if you'd like to represent their product. And, and it can be really tempting to say, yeah, totally, because that's, that's, that's a new step. It's a new level in, in the industry. And I think that um, uh, people are really hungry for opportunities, and especially ones that involve maybe a little bit of um, media uh, spotlight. But I, I would just recommend that you don't take a brand ambassador position until it's the brand that you want to work with sure. like forever. I mean, um, I, I had always said actually, and Rachel Ford knows this, that like, I would have wanted her job in a second to like be the national brand ambassador for Tangere and, um, you know, work with Diageo. I was like, yeah, that, that's, that's the job I want. Uh, that's not the job I got. And I'm very happy about that, but this, But the, like working with a gin was what I wanted and working with the right gin. I mean, in, in so many ways, I'm so thankful that I didn't end up working that job. You know, I'm really happy with what I'm doing. But but if I had taken some like uh, Mezcal that just came onto the market and they were paying me a pretty penny because I, I had worked hard for a bit of a name and they needed that. I would have watered down my own brand.
3: Sure. I, my,
4: my worth would have become less. My, my name like would have become. No.
3: We like right. barrel strength.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think that it's just really important that you don't take every, I turned down a lot of brand ambassador positions and I'm, and it feels good to, to say to people like, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm, I'm truly honored. And I, I would hope to have this conversation with you another time. If another opportunity comes about at this time, I'm not interested and that's, who 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 doesn't want to hear that? I mean, like, okay, great, thanks.
3: Yeah. You know, I've always always been a huge fan of yours, and I, I love going to the bar to see you at Clover Club. I'm sad that I'm not going to be able to.
4: I actually loved it when you'd come in, because you would order a beer and sit there and just be cool.
2: <laughs> and it
4: was really nice. We were actually chatting earlier, and, I, and you mentioned that you'd go in and order beers and just sit at bars. And I was like, yeah, I loved it when you'd come in. I, I had that thought in my head, so...
3: So, yeah, go ahead. Running defense for my friends who are yeah, working man. hard.
4: Just, just bringing smiles, <laughs> throwing back a couple of pints, and being like, "I'm out of here. It's like, I'm the cocktail cowboy, and I'm out." <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's gonna be the new sign off for this show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, i seriously like, I, I, I just your very speedy trajectory and like the fact that you've made so much happen and you've inspired so many people and been a great mentor. To other bartenders is it's incredible. You've done it in such a, a short period of time, and I'm really glad to see that you've gotten to where you are. And you're working with this brand, and I'm, I'm you know, it's just I'm, just I'm just happy to hang out with you. Thanks.
4: It's been really nice, actually. We got to have a little lunch before this, and both of us were like, "Man, we need to hang out more." Well, it was we, nice to hang.
3: We are going to hang out a little bit more after this because yeah. you're going to come and uh, throw some drinks yeah. together yeah. At, uh, with Monkey Forty Seven at Grand Army.
4: Yeah, so um, uh, we're just doing like a little happy hour pop up at Grand Army, and I mean, uh, Monkey Forty Seven currently on the market is a fairly expensive product. I mean, I think that you can find a gin and tonic anywhere for between like sixteen and twenty four dollars, and mm-hmm. a, a more um, elevated cocktail from like twenty five to thirty six. So it's it's not a a, a well gin right now sure. today. But um, but we're going to put it on the happy hour menu at Grand Army. So you can come in and get, you know, uh, Monkey 47 cocktails for like, I don't know, 12 bucks, yeah. which is great. And so we're going to do some gin and tonics with a little bit of lemon juice and a grapefruit twist. The only citrus that's used in Monkey 47 is lemon and grapefruit and it's fresh citrus it's not dried so uh, i just i think that it makes a beautiful gin and tonic uh making some bee's knees because i love a bee's knees that's like probably one of my all-time favorite drinks i love bees knees. you love honey and i do and i do (laughs) and then uh doing some uh, monkey 47 gibsons uh have you have you heard of filthy garnish out of miami
3: yeah
4: okay love those guys and they made for us custom Monkey Forty Seven cocktail onions, nice. based on the forty seven different herbs and botanicals. And they're they are bright and they're crunchy and they're savory, like um, lots of black pepper and coriander and sage. So we're gonna make some Gibsons with those and kind of uh, release a little bit of these cocktail onions that no one can buy and no one can get unless you unless you're cool with me. So
3: cool. Yeah, I'm cool with you. Yeah, super cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. I can't wait. This is gonna be. So much fun! Yeah, Um, yeah. So, well, I guess we should pack up and head over there. Oh my god,
4: is it time already? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, let's do it. It is. Okay. Um, All right.
3: Well, Lacey, thanks so much for being on the show. And uh, again, like, I'm, I'm excited to see you behind the bar. Yeah, I'm excited (laughs) to be there. Can
4: can we do one thing really quick before we leave? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Robertus is like uh, offering nutcrackers now. Yeah. And we have this nutcracker in front of us. And again, don't mean to put you on the spot, but I wanted to know what your nutcracker saying would be, if you're walking down the beach with, like, a rolling suitcase full of nutcrackers, what are you saying?
3: Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) Do do you want
4: me to go first? Yeah. Because I've thought about this. Uh, I would probably be like, nutties, get your nutties, nutcrackers, get your (laughs) nutties, nut, nut, nutcrackers. (laughs) And then there'd be some dude behind me. I'd be be out there taking the money, and some dude behind me would be pulling the the guy, like, you know, handing them out to people.
3: I'd probably just be saying, like, See it hell, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) You wanna try some of this? Yeah. Wait, you mean I guess that's what I would say when I was drinking it, so (laughs) Well that's good. Yeah?
4: Yeah. I would drink that on a beach. Nutcrackers like the, a buzz off a of Nutcracker is better than anything that I would bring, that anything alcoholic I could possibly bring to a beach. I'm waiting for that Nutcracker guy because the buzz you get off a of Nutcracker is like you're floating. It's the best.
3: This is very good. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't make it too fancy.
4: No. No, that get, definitely nut, tastes like, not 100% tastes like dull canned pineapple mm-hmm. juice. And not the little cans, but the giant one that you're like sticking oh, yeah. a knife into to like crack it. <laughs> yeah.
3: Totally. <laughs> okay. um,
4: Thanks for, thank you for entertaining me there.
3: <laughs> this has been one of my favorite shows to date. Um, all right. So let's back up and uh, head over to grain army Sounds and make great. some drinks. Lucky 47. Thanks again, Lacey, for being on the show. Um, <laughs> I, 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 we can drink that nutcracker on the train, I think. Yeah.
4: Uh-huh.
3: <laughs> anyway. So uh, yeah, that's it for the speakeasy this week. Um, tune in to Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Until next week, I'm the Cocktail Cowboy, and I'm out! Yeah! <laughs> Cheers!
0: Yeah. So you don't <laughs> shunt the devil with your rock and, and roll load Knows no. that country music's gonna save your soul The